0: For June 1st, 2022, this is episode 0 of the Future of Education Talk. I am your host, Helen Handan. Today, we have Johan Holman here talking with us about education for sustainable development. Using the case of the Challenge Lab at Chalmers University of Technology in Gothenburg, Sweden, Johan Holman is a postdoctoral researcher in sustainability transformations and social learning. He has also been part of establishing and running the Challenge Lab at Chalmers University. Welcome, Johan. Thanks for joining us to the Future of Education talk. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the Challenge Lab and what is the idea behind the lab? And how is it different from other courses we see in normal university curriculum?
1: Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, which we've also been thinking a lot about, because that is often the, the first question you get. Uh, like, how is this different? Or uh, why is this important? Why are you spending so much time and effort on, on Challenge lab? What do you see in it? Um, and, and I think to understand that, we need to uh, understand the, the bigger challenges that uh, society is facing. Uh, the ongoing transformations we see now in domains of energy, transportation, uh, agri-food, water, but also in, in healthcare and, uh, and the kind of the underlying socio-economic developments we see in the world that, that kind of tell us that the future is likely going to be very different uh, compared to the present or the, or the past. Um, and Challenge Lab is an attempt to educate for those futures, uh, but also an attempt to build general capacity within higher education institutions to be relevant for its surrounding societies. Um, So so whenever we think of Challenge Lab, we think of it not only as an educational space and and intervention, but also as a strategic initiative for, for, in this case, Chalmers University to, to engage with its surrounding society. Uh, students are in the center, in this, in this space, uh, but it's not only about education, it's also about uh, research, uh, outreach, uh, public engagement, and all those things. Uh, so, so, and, and, and when we think about what makes it different, so often when, we, when, when talking about Challenge Lab or when being in Challenge Lab, uh, we often relate that to our previous uh, experiences and with other efforts that we've seen um and uh, i would say that at chalmers university it is uh, a bit uh, unique as as initiative Uh, it was founded as an as a kind of an innovation project so it was not it did not come from like an educational funding background, but from the Swedish Innovation Agency, because they saw this as kind of an innovation and a, and a mechanism to support uh, transformative change. Um, but I also know that there are many inspiring initiatives in other parts of the world, so I should not like neglect those uh, either when, 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 when talking about Challenge Lab. But uh, when we think about the uniqueness of, of Challenge Lab, uh, it's uh, about, uh, I think, truly creating space for students uh, to work with challenges that they find important and interesting. And those challenges are often not the kind of problems that teachers create in the classroom and that the teacher know the correct answer to. But here it is uh, the real sustainability challenges the world is facing that are lived by people in the, so to speak, the real world. So, so the classroom or the learning space uh, is not very much what is happening at Chalmers, but actually out in, in society. That is where these challenges lie, uh, because we believe the best way to learn and make a progress on those challenges is mm-hmm. actually by engaging with them in the real life. Mm. So there is one thing that is a bit unique here compared to how we, how we otherwise tend to educate and lock our students mm-hmm. into the classroom. Um, we also work quite heavily with, with processes, methods, tools, methodologies to kind of meaningfully engage with those mm-hmm. issues, because we also have this experience that engineers are quite good at solving problems. Mm-hmm. So whenever you let out an engineer into society and to, to contribute, they, try to, they, they find the problem and then they come up with a, often a technical mm-hmm. solution to the problem. Uh, what we try to do in the lab is to support students uh, and uh, wider people uh, engaging there to also understand where the problem comes from, uh, what makes it a problem, what are kind of the underlying causes and factors, uh, how does this problem or issue connect with other issues, and what would success look like mm-hmm. uh, when, when dealing with the, with the, with the problem. Uh, And then we realize that it is as important to formulate the question and frame the problem as it is addressing them. Um, And often the biggest contributions we have is not in terms of fancy technical solutions, but actually that people in society view their organizations uh, with new, fresh eyes. That has very much come from the the students. Uh, And then we can also talk a bit about the student's role in that learning space. Because if you are a student and you want to make a difference, to the world. Um, What has been important for us is to understand that maybe we should not come out and look at ourselves as experts, um, but as listeners and facilitators to understand that our unique contribution may not be to come up with the best solutions to the problems, but to create spaces for various organizations to to come together. Mm -hmm. Figure out what the challenges really are and what kind of hinders progress forwards and then the students can work as the facilitators, listeners of that process to build trust and openness between actors in society, Uh, but at the same time of course challenge old ideals and uh, underlying assumptions, be a bit naïve also, uh, because we also know that students are quite eager for change uh, and that's a very positive power that we want to build upon. Which is also a reason not to lock students into the classroom, but actually create spaces in society where students can, can work on what they find meaningful. Uh, and then the power of doing this within an educational institution is that the barriers for engagement is quite low. The processes and the engagement processes are quite low risk for the stakeholders. The students don't have, students like, don't have a hidden agenda or they don't want to sell a product or a service, but they are there to, to learn. Uh, And sometimes it happens that that people say that maybe I said a little bit too much about my organization and the challenges and the issues I see in the world. Uh, But it felt meaningful to do that because I also care for the wider systems and for the wider society. So these are some of the things that I come to think of when when you ask what is different with, with Challenge Lab, And that is often what the students report also based on their prior experiences, that they get to be seen as human beings in the educational apparatus. Uh, and that they can make, they feel that they can make a real difference and that they also understand how even a seemingly small contribution is meaningful to the wider sustainability transformation we are, we're facing. Uh, And that in turn has implications for, of course, how university engages with society and what kind of value that can create in various directions which go far beyond the educational contribution we make here. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, those are some of the things.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to say that... uh... You gave this opportunity for students to engage in society and contribute to this sustainable development for the region um, if we take one step back can you tell us a little bit more about the structure of the course how it's set up and uh, because it's different than the traditional classroom course you have you also go into the society and talk with different stakeholders how does yeah. it
1: work yeah and and this is something that we have it has changed over the years, uh, based on uh, funding, of course, uh, but also based on the overall leadership of the university and where it has kind of been uh, positioned, um, and also like, like kind of the format it has taken has also changed over time. So I could give you a little update or a little uh, some some thoughts on that and and how it's currently being run, uh, because it's current. This is kind of our best. Current solution to, to everything we have, because navigating a higher education institution and the structures here is sometimes not very easy. Yeah. Um, so when it, from the beginning, it, I mean the idea was to bring to work with systems innovation in society, to work on key sustainability challenges related to those systems I talked about earlier, like energy, mobility and so forth, uh, and to involve students in those processes because of their unique capabilities, uh, and also bring together students from different backgrounds, educational backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, with various perspectives and experiences that would kind of, because as, 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 as you know, sustainability problems do not, they're not very disciplinary structured, but they rather require integration of different disciplines and sometimes to even let go of the disciplinary ID altogether and just try to understand the challenge in its lived authentic context. So from the very beginning, we realized that we need students from as broad background as possible to be able to make a meaningful contribution and and learning here. Uh, And then the master thesis is kind of the freest possibility you have at the university, at least here at, at, at Chalmers. You can do it alone or you can do it in pair, two by two. Um, and it gives you half a year, full time, 30 ECTS uh, to, to work on a, a question or a challenge that fits to your broader degree. So you can also frame the thesis quite broadly, so it fit perfectly for what we were after. So it started out as a master's thesis opportunity we had, uh, with the important exception that the question and the challenge was to be co-formulated between the students the societal stakeholders and the potential supervisors. So it was not so that the supervisor should come with a predefined research question, but the question should be and grounded in actually a, a real societal system with these issues that was experienced important to address by, by multiple people uh, and the students being in charge and taking ownership of that process. Mm. And then also addressing the challenge or the question throughout your thesis. So, so it included both. we talked about them as phase one and phase two, where phase one was the process where you formulated your research question and phase two was the process where you addressed it, uh, compared to more regular theses here where you start with the research question and you address it. So so, yeah, so both including the question formulation process and also actually doing that together with societal actors uh, made it a bit different which also required a completely different infrastructure because we needed to build and nurture networks with people in, in society. We needed to support students with new tools and methods and facilitation techniques to be able to, to do this. Uh, work quite heavily with like in, in, in intrinsic and inner motivation, dialogue techniques, uh, systems mapping, uh, understanding uh, like how to approach sustainability in a grounded way and, and being reflexive and, and critical about your own ethical stance and, uh, and so forth. So it required quite much uh, and packaging it all as kind of a we call it like a leadership training. Um, so after the first year of doing the master thesis like that uh, it we realized it became too much for the students to do all that during a thesis uh, and then we took out uh the theoretical basis for the work with the tools and the methods into preparatory course that we started so so then we had a course called leadership for sustainability transitions with space for approximately 40 students and then those who wanted could continue doing their thesis at the master thesis lab uh, which was this which hosted about 20 students at maximum we were like i think between 13 and 20 students per year in that work but then the question formulation was still part of the thesis, and that became still too much. Uh, so then we uh, after, after many processes forth and back and and, and uh, testing alternatives, we ended up creating another course at Chalmers called System Interventions for Sustainability Transitions and in that that the focus of that course is a deepening of the kind of the systems perspective of this leadership where the final product you can say of that course is that you have a grounded research question that has been kind of rigorously shaped in dialogue with societal actors and grounded in like a systemic understanding where there is kind of leverage or transformative potential for change. Uh, And that is the current format we have. We have the leadership course as an overall uh, basis for, 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 for Challenge Lab systems course as a deep dive into the systems aspect where you formulate a research question and and possibly link up with a supervisor. And those who want can continue with that as a master thesis within kind of the spirit of Challenge Lab, where we support more with uh, uh, group reflections, uh, monthly meet gatherings to reflect on how it goes in the different theses. And we supervise some of the theses, but some theses are also supervised by people who are associated more loosely to the lab Um, and uh, you can also take the systems course without doing a thesis based on that topic because it's still like relevant methods and tools that any engineer needs today to not only become problem solvers but also problem identifiers Mm. Um, so there's the current structure and and this development has also meant that we have moved from being funded by the Swedish Innovation Agency to being funded by Chalmers Foundation as an important strategic initiative for the university, into being able to run this within the educational institutional space as well with some additional funding to host the extra work it takes with the stakeholder contacts and and additional support throughout the thesis, because it's not only like a bilateral contact with one established company organization, but you're actually doing like multi-stakeholder work and that puts some extra Pressure on the on the work because you don't have a single recipient of your final thesis product, but it goes into more like a wider system. Um, so uh, it has also demanded some extra support and and resources to make mm. it work for the students. So that's the current setup, um, we're also involved in in um, in conversations with with different universities mm. and also lower down in the in the ed- education system to to support others in making their already ongoing initiatives uh, more closely related to what Challenge Lab seeks to do. Uh, there are particular design labs that are very good at working with like, needs-driven innovation processes uh, who wants to become more kind of explicit on sustainability. So there we are figuring out how we can support in, in making them more sustainability-driven and not only human needs-driven. Uh, and other places try to establish their own challenge lab spaces or they call it something else uh, and draw from different sources so we're also involved in, in, in hosting dialogue on that so it's I would say becoming less and less a a, a setting here at Chalmers and more a methodology, uh, a philosophy, an approach to education that is uh, uh, spreading uh, throughout the, the world uh, in various formats so um, it's quite interesting mm. to be um, fun to be part of
0: yeah so speaking of methods uh, so you talked about you bring students from different disciplines into one classroom and it's really inspiring to hear that because that's what we need to have a system development in the future to bring people from different cultural and academic background however we all know that when you're from a certain background you come with your own uh, pre-assumption and the defined knowledge on what the society or the world should be. So Mm. how do you bring those people together? What kind of method that you use to uh, help them to work together to one question they defined as important?
1: Mm. Yeah, so um, we do multiple things uh, Mm. on that, uh, because it is indeed, as you say, one of the biggest challenges with doing this kind of education. Uh, but also one of the biggest, I would say, blessings or opportunities if you make it function. And we have experience from when it functions and when it does not function yeah. uh, as well. Uh, the good thing is that when you know why things do not function, you can reverse that and make it function. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so some things we do that may be more important is that meeting the student in their identity as a person uh, has been one important thing. To start from there, like in this room, we have people uh, with their respective perspectives, experiences, knowledge, values, interests, and to understand that. Uh, and then understanding that your disciplinary background or your formal formal training is something that you bring with you, of course, in your identity. Uh, but that is only part of you as a person. Uh, you come with a much like wider repertoire of experience, perspectives that you bring to the space. And acknowledging that very early on, that we are here people, uh, has been has been quite important for us. Uh, so we invest quite heavily in the beginning, for example, to clarify our inner values and motivations and strengths uh, to be able to meet the other person in, in, in their best, so to say. That's one thing that has been quite important. And then it's also about training in, in, in dialogue and listening techniques. Learning to hold a conversation where the end point should not be that the other person uh, believes that you are, you are right or that you have the right perspective, uh, but that together your perspectives together enrich the understanding of a complex situation and that different perspectives are needed to truly grasp the complexity of what we are facing. Uh, so, so, Dialoguing about sometimes agreeing to disagree or to listen and build trust as a basis for collaboration uh, rather than consensus and uh, convincing processes. Uh, Because there is this big big myth, I think, in collaboration, especially in the Swedish context, that you need to agree with each other, but you don't need to agree to collaborate. You need to understand each other to be able to collaborate. And then you can work even with those people that you, to cite uh, Adam Kahane, who has been working a lot on facilitation processes, that investing a lot in listening and trust building can make you collaborate with people you don't like, that you have no experience from collaborating with, or people that you even don't trust from the beginning. Um, so that's another thing that has been important, and and uh, and the third thing is this: I would say the transdisciplinary nature of Challenge Lab, that we put the society susti- in a, sus- the societal sustainability challenge in the center, and that cannot be understood from a single discipline or 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 category of competences, uh, but must be understood from multiple perspectives uh, and then you, to really grasp that you need to draw knowledge, perspective, experience from whenever, from wherever necessary to be able to deal with that. Uh, and that has been a bit new for everyone who is in the in the room. And sometimes those people with the strongest disciplinary identity are the ones who struggle the most to figure out how to make a contribution to that kind of issue, because they may come in with, Predefined idea what the problem is, predefined idea about what the solution is, and then they spend the time in challenge lab, just trying to backwards design, reverse their way through so that their pre-identified solution fits the problem, and so, so you work like the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, but to really thrive in this environment, you need you need to open up for for alternatives and mm-hmm. to view th- see things in new ways. Then still we are pr- we have primarily worked with engineering students. Mm-hmm. We have had each year some students from from like the environmental sciences or from the business school participating but they have been a minority in the group but still within like the engineering subjects we see such big diversity between different programs how you have been trained from those from like a, a management and operations background to engineering design to those studying like electrical and communications engineering to those studying product management etc so it's been quite broad even within engineering actually uh, and when it comes to also that, because I don't want to say that the engineering training or the formal engineering training is not important, but this becomes an important add-on to to put your own education in a in a wider perspective and in a wider context. Uh, because also when you if you come from a particular background, you may be used to working with people who have about the same training as as you do, and then it may not be very clear to you what you actually know and what you can do and uh, how you can contribute because everyone surrounding you know about the same things. Uh, But when you work with someone from another background it becomes quite clear what you actually can do and how that differs from from someone else. Uh, So some students say that it it has been quite important for them also in future job interviews uh, that, that just being together with students from different backgrounds make it easier for them to understand what their unique contribution can be in this world. Mm, so so that is also something that I don't, that we should not forget when we talk about those experiences. It's both about being able to address the challenge in society, but also learning more about your contribution in in, in that space. Mm. So, so I would say both those have been important.
0: Yeah. Like you said, uh, Chalmers is a very engineering focused uh, university, and uh, as we demand more transition towards more sustainability in the future. Uh, We can say we need more interdiscipline from different backgrounds that's uh, beyond engineering, uh, which Mm. means we need to collaborate with lawyers, with uh, uh, the natural science, uh, environmentalists, climate scientists, as well as social scientists, anthropology. Mm. So what do you see the challenges and the potential benefits in having a challenge lab dance for a wider... Uh, wider population yeah. or wider uh, yeah. aspects yeah.
1: I would love to have that here in, uh, in Gothenburg mm-hmm. uh, we have, have a history of conversations with uh, with, uh, with Chalmers is like the engineering university here and then you have Gothenburg University which is uh, which brings like the social sciences and the humanities and economics in its wider mm-hmm. sense um, and, and there has often been quite sad institutional structures and barriers mm-hmm. hindering that like the requirements on a master's thesis, uh, the examination procedures and and, and learning outcomes, etc that has not made it possible for students from these different universities to come together. Uh, and when we have managed to do that it has always been through the willingness of, of people to really uh, figure out how much you can tweak the examination guidelines and, and the systems that are there or, or from, Uh, Students themselves have been very driven into framing their thesis so that has worked, uh, but we have not managed to get kind of an agreement that made it possible for students to participate on an equal basis uh, from the different universities. Um, And I think in the best of worlds, we would have like a challenge lab that was shared and owned by by both universities that was open for for students from all educational backgrounds. Mm. Uh, We are not there. Mm. Uh, and and you can also think of hybrid <laughs> solutions to it that we have our lab at Chalmers and then there is a lab owned by Gothenburg University and we have like more shared informal sessions uh, we can have like uh, boot camps or, or uh, kick-off weeks mm. and reflection seminars together and link up with labs in different places uh, it has been like a matter of both like what is really ideal what will be the best case and what is actually possible to do um, because this is something that has been, uh, now in the team, driven by us as, as researchers and, and educators and there has been quite little time and possibility to, to reach the level of institutional support needed to make that happen. Um, what I should say about it also is that we have, there is something here at Chalmers called a Tracks initiative which is a, a, an effort to mainstream these kind of learning spaces in higher education or at this university um, that open up the possibility for students across programs to take inter and transdisciplinary courses uh, and uh, that is open for many many more students than us because it's kind of an infrastructure created at the university in a wider sense. Um, and and uh, in the initiation of the tracks project you can read up on that on on Chalmers uh, webpage uh, was also quite heavy referencing to the experiences at challenge lab and as an attempt to more top down make these kind of learning spaces come true at the at the wider university um, still they don't state that it should be about sustainability challenges or together with societal actors but more uh, an attempt to create flexibility in the educational system, so it's very interesting to follow how that grows into the into the future and what we can do with that opportunity also, because that has been sanctioned uh, from 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 the highest level, at the university, mm. also inspired from from developments at other universities. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. After the COVID pandemic, we we have learned that a lot of things than used to, we thought it, they have to be taking place in a physical place, then we can go do that digitally. So when you're talking about having a wider participation, um, is it possible to conduct this course digitally, so allowing more people from different places in the world uh, to participate? And uh, also, what do you think might be the challenges to doing so?
1: Mm. Yeah, so um... I definitely think that parts of this can be done digital, especially as a way to make it more openly accessible for for more. Um, The the risk I see with that is that we we build quite much on the the meeting, the real meeting between persons and the quality and the craft of the presence in the room. Mm. Um, so, so parts of it would be would be very interesting to figure out how to preserve that in, in a digital environment. Um, and, and, and parts of it is also about accepting that the digital environment allows a scaling, and that might mean that you you, you, you have to let go of some of the deeper qualities, but on the, on the benefit that you manage to reach out to, to many, many more people. Um, so, so um, I I definitely think that is something that we we have to explore more in the future, and it's also being required or demanded from many many students. Uh, then it's also an issue in in some parts of the world where the dig- digital accessibility is quite different. So, um, but as you as you say, I think that is a landscape we have to navigate now. Um, we also have quite interesting experiences from because we have been doing this digital now during the pandemic. Exactly. And. Uh, and uh, this this stakeholder collaboration has obviously suffered, mm. um, which can be for different reasons. Also that because we have not had the time to really settle a nice working infrastructure for it. Uh, so it has been a bit more of a desk research setup. Uh, and... Also, when, when we've had um, uh, seminars related to literature and reflection on your work, that has been enhanced by the digital format because there's been so much time spent live to rearrange the room, to break up in small groups and to report back to the big group. But when we've been doing that online, it has just been to click a button and then you have the breakout rooms, You click a button, everyone is back into the room. So we've been, we have been able to make so much more out of those sessions mm. when we had it digitally. Uh, and we also learned that some people thrive better in a digital environment than in the classroom uh, and some uh, perform uh, less good uh, so, so uh, i also think like from from from, from thinking about like uh, equal access to the learning space and to education i, I think a mix of, of live and physical is is something we are aiming for now um, and and the barriers or the or the difference between the digital and the live format is also kind of becoming more fluid mm. and that might also open up for very interesting opportunities to to work with other universities in in ways that we have not done before. Mm. So so I think the 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 pandemic has of course been terrible in many different ways but it has also accelerated the 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 way we 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 educate and teach also through digital media.
0: Yeah, so you see the the meeting with the stakeholders has become more difficult uh, with uh, with when COVID happened and everything became digitalized uh, can you tell us a little bit about how students used to engage with stakeholders like what what is their role in helping the mm. s- helping the company or the regional government to achieve their sustainability
1: yeah so um the 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 way we want stakeholder engagement to function is that we invite stakeholders early on to the lab to give their perspectives and their overview of of what are kind of the big challenges and issues that we are facing here locally and regionally. Um, And the students work with that material to systematize it, to map up, to figure out, okay, what where do these challenges come from? Do we ident- can we identify like um, common uh, causes and factors and reasons? Uh, can we identify spots where we think intervention is interesting? Um, and then you bring back stakeholders into that conversation. Uh, people are provided overall views, but also those who sit with particular knowledge in in how the systems work, but also we in a position to influence how the systems should kind of develop over time. And then you make that work collaboratively together with the stakeholders themselves to really understand where the issues lie and what hinders transition uh, from multiple perspectives. Um, And then that becomes a collaborative effort between the students and the stakeholders to really figure out what the system looks like, uh, how the dynamics are changing over time and where there is possibility to, to intervene and with what transformative potential uh, and then you identify that. We, we, we talk about it as a, as a kind of a strategic acupuncture. Uh, you formulate that as a question and then you have one or a few stakeholder organizations who become kind of your primary contact and you get support from the, those to reach out to the wider networks. And then you as a student work as a facilitator of those change processes. So you don't say exactly what in intervention should look like, but you figure out the possibilities and limits of the different actors to intervene and figure out if there are opportunities to guide already ongoing developments into desired directions or accelerate positive things that are already happening. Um, So so the ideal process of stakeholder engagement is, is very much iterative, forth and back. The students facilitate, the students can do some they often have more time so they can do work and then they can get feedback and check that off with stakeholders in workshops and figure out jointly what the next step would, would be like. And then it's so important that you understand that your role is to map systems, facilitate dialogues, create conditions mm-hmm. and space for others to act rather than sitting on your ch- chamber and trying to analyze the problem and just come up with a solution and push it out mm-hmm. into, into society. Um, so that is the kind of stakeholder engagement that we envision uh, on that like the nature of that work. Uh, and during the pandemic it has been more uh, formal uh, and, and and more like um, we have been doing work, gotten f- feedback uh, on on, la- on like digital meetings and then we've been working more. So it has been more of like an mm-hmm. in-house, work and less engagement work that has required for us the physical uh, meeting and the importance of reading people and situations Mm -hmm. is quite different and difficult to do it digitally compared to when you are in the same in the same room and also the informal conversations and the conversation that happen when you're finished with your exercise can sometimes be more interesting than the conversations during the exercise Mm -hmm. and the digital format creates today very little opportunity to that kind of exchange mm, so so yeah so we have suffered from that mm, and also generally looking into into Sweden during the pandemic it has also been uh, I mean the restrictions have been less severe than in other uh, countries uh, but still in the kind of people that we engage with on, on challenge lab every everything has been digital and and online um, and it becomes a professionalized, so you, you just, you have your online meeting, you just want to be very productive and mm. do what's on the agenda so you can continue. There is very little time to dig into the in-between issues mm. uh, that, that we want to dig into here. And, and it's been like more falling back to traditional roles and your projects and, and your organization. the uncertainty associated with the future.
0: It's interesting mm. that this digitalization experience actually created like experience experiment to, for you to say that the informal talks and the meeting is more imp- mm. maybe not more important, but they have a very essential role in understanding the organization yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned students as a non-threatening uh, participant and uh, works as a facilitator for mm within organizations and on the other hand students can also be taken as a student that's learning and so they are given that priority as well so how mm-hmm. has the experience been for the
1: students yeah um so i think most students here have been surprised how well received <laughs> they have been <laughs> by the organizations yeah. and and from our experience most people have been very open and inviting towards the students. Uh, there have been occasions where students have managed to book meetings with, with people in quite high positions. Mm. And then they have said that on the following meeting that we had a meeting with this director the other week. And then someone said, I've tried to reach out to, to him or her uh, for half a year and they have never replied. You just managed to set up meeting in uh, like a week notice. Like, how, how do you do that? And, and that is because it has been kind of valued and seen as important. Mm. Um, so so we, we, we have that experience uh, here. And then of course, some people have uh, don't have time or space for the students and then we, we have to accept that, okay, maybe then we should not work with those or figure out a way to relate to them if it is important. Uh, because there has also been situations where uh, someone has felt that the students are stepping into the terrain and have felt like challenged by the students in a negative way. That the students are trying to make progress now on a question where where my um, government or my municipal uh, body has a formal responsibility, and now the students are bringing together people in some strategic work, and and, uh, that is on my table, and and now they are running forward on that, and I don't feel comfortable with that. So so sometimes we've also had to halt and pause the students. Mm And make them understand uh, the realities of these change processes and the longevity of it. Because mm-hmm. um, transitions are not like a one-off thing. But it needs like continuous and reflexive monitoring and, and evaluation and, and, and intervention work. Uh, so it's important to work together with people mm-hmm. and not against go against them. Because your your, your thesis is 20 weeks. Yeah. And thinking of how can I make a long and lasting contribution of my thesis. Then, then sometimes... You need to slow down to be able to move uh, fast forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, there has been all kinds of different experiences mm-hmm. on that. And and that's also something that we have learned, that it can look so different depending mm-hmm. on the country, what status and role mm-hmm. students have and, and how people view the students. But, yeah. but here it has been mainly positive and that most people can relate to the situation of the student mm-hmm. and are, are eager and willing to, to help. So, so yeah. Well, as you, as you say, sometimes you you understand that first when you get exposed to the to the other side of it.
0: And it's so nice to hear sustainability is giving so high priority in the society in general in Sweden. What do you think that enabled people to think that way? compared to other countries?
1: Yeah, so this is a tricky question. Uh, we have, a, I think we have an image in Sweden uh, from other countries that Sweden is uh, very proactive and has come far when it comes yeah. to sustainability. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have in some aspects and maybe we have in relation to, to some others. Um, but I still think we have quite big challenges and there is sometimes lots of talking And little action. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good thing when when sustainability is at least valued as important is that it becomes a good starting point uh, because people can meet around the concept of sustainability and agree that it is important and and then initiate learning processes on that Mm -hmm. forward. Uh, If people don't agree that sustainability is important despite it can mean different things to different people, uh, you you are in a much harder uh, situation. Um, so so for us it has been, for, for like reasons of legitimacy, sustainability and also Agenda 2030 has mm-hmm. been quite important as a starting point, uh, but then you still need to have this kind of local uh, negotiation and contextualization of what the term means. Mm-hmm for the particular people and the mm. particular uh, context. Um, so, so sometimes I become quite disappointed when you when you hear how we talk about sustainability mm. in Sweden and, and the actual progress we make. Uh, I mean, when you see those international rankings on like progress towards the 17 SDGs, we normally come rank quite high on the national level. At the same time, if you look at goals such as uh, sustainable consumption, We are very far from reaching the goals. And if we are to achieve that goal, that might mean that we need to kind of back progress Mm -hmm. on many other goals. Um, So uh, it's not so simple uh, Mm -hmm. as it may look in in those kind of national uh, apparatus of evaluating progress. Uh, And there are, of course, also goals missing uh, that Sweden would not perform very well on as -hmm. well. Uh, But they are not there for, for political reasons. Uh, but if we look into kind of the, the, both from a global justice perspective and resource distribution and the extreme richness mm. that we have in this country, uh, that's also kind of problematic from perspective, a global perspective. Uh, but that's not really reflected in the, mm. in the agenda for, for, I think, democratic and political reasons to make it become adopted. So um, yeah, I try to think forward, <laughs> <laughs> given where we are, what possibilities do we actually have to mm. make a difference? and uh, and not look into the numbers or in the into the history here but actually figuring out what Mm -hmm. difference can we make here and now and and what would be the next step Mm -hmm. towards a sustainable future and sometimes it's not it may not seem reasonable or or likely Mm -hmm. to get there but it can still be important to understand what it would take uh, if we took it seriously Mm -hmm. because there's so much learning that can be made yeah. In that way. So yeah. So particularly in Sweden, like the, the, the issues related to sustainable consumption is very high on the mm. and, and very problematic aspect.
0: Yeah. So from your perspective, what do you think is the higher education role or position in helping us to achieve a more sustainable future?
1: Yeah. So if we if we look into this transformation process, we understand uh, of course that it will include systems change, as I talked about, mm-hmm. related to energy, food water mobility healthcare all those like functions that are very central in our societies but in order to realize that we we must also understand that it requires a series of like socio-economic uh, shifts uh, based on the, the, the kind of broader structuring of our societies related to ethics, uh, values, what we hold important, uh, knowledge, how we see ourselves and our relations to others, and and I think education and educational institutions have become kind of the the main institution in society where there is space to, to learn and reflect on those wider issues uh, that are so important for, for the future. So so f- from, from that perspective, I think education is maybe the most important thing to realize a, a sustainable future in, in time, getting understanding and learning what is important in life in, in general, uh, but also these kind of more heavy things about learning to break with established Power structures, for example, also be important. Uh, so, so, so I think education is in some way a basis for, for the functioning of our societies. And when, when we talk about the context of, of Challenge Lab more specifically, we also understand that the educational institution can act as a bit of a neutral stable actor in society that can take uh, temporary ownership in those questions and issues that we are facing without being dependent on a short-term monetary uh, goal or or generating profit to to the board or or, or not the board but the, open, the company owners or or being driven by immediate needs from the public which often happens to our public bodies that you end up being becoming like a service mm. provider um, so, so higher education is a bit unique in that way also as an institution that you have a responsibility to to stand up for 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 knowledge and and values related to that, uh, and also as a stable actor that that others can rely on. Um, but that requires us to really break down the ivory tower idea that higher education is full of uh, expert people with answers to all the questions. In- into someone who works with society and in other kinds of constellations where transdisciplinarity is taken seriously, where collaboration is seen as part of the purpose and not a necessary good to make good publications come out there uh, and, and so on. So, so the, there is uh, shifts need to happen here as well. Instit- yeah. Institutionalizing sustainability in the, everything we do. Yeah
0: and as you mentioned that we need interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary for for the general sustainability in the future and uh, but at the same time it's also important to have specialized knowledge so how do we make that trade off what's the optimal solution for us in higher education to combine to let students to have specialized knowledge and at the same time know how to think with the interdisciplinary mindset as well
1: yeah Yeah, so I have, uh, So in my experiences, I have primarily been involved in the kind of the horizontal broadening part of of the education. I have a history also being more like specialized into particular issues. And uh, I mean, my my very politically correct answer would be both are needed. Yeah. Uh, And you can think of uh, both like deep specialists into particularities that collaborate with those who have the ability to to widen the horizons and to understand the larger consequences of of, of smaller contributions. Uh, And then you still need a collaboration aspect uh, in that. You can also think of sometimes, there is this popular term, uh, like the T-shaped engineer in this this sense, that you have both a specialist background and a wide uh, array of of skills and competences Mm -hmm. that are more generic. Uh, which is also an interesting, I think model in that. Um, sometimes I also think like, uh, can't we form education that lets people become who they want to become, their full selves and and accompanied with a set of values that you learn to collaborate and listen and uh, and acknowledge difference between different people. Um, so that it should not be like imposed from the top down exactly what you should look like when you've gone through the education. You should rather create the conditions Mm. and possibilities for each individual to to thrive and and flourish in the educational system. Um, I mean, currently we are in a situation where I think that more inter and transdisciplinary skills are needed uh, to complement the deep specialization that is happening, uh, to be able to deal both with the complicated mechanical issues and the, and the complex social issues we are facing so uh, I, I, I would say both mm. are needed and it can look very differently
0: yeah I absolutely agree <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, very inspiring and uh, nice to see that we have a lot of more interdiscipline study programs that's being established uh, around mm. the globe actually like uh, mm. industry ecology and uh, the development studies they combine the, the traditional specialized uh, different disciplines into one and uh, for mm. students to prospect It's really interesting to know that. Uh, so thank you very much for today.
1: Thank you very much and thank you for your very rich and grounded questions. <laughs> it's been uh, I've learned a lot also from just trying to come up with reasoning <laughs> on them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's really nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Johan Holman talking with us here in Gothenburg, Sweden. For those who are interested in getting in touch with Johan or learning more about Challenge Lab, you can find his Twitter account in the episode description.